This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash science. Just go to Indeed.com slash science right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. So we have jettisoned the season that we planned, and instead we're going to be reporting on the coronavirus in the coming weeks. There's a lot of fear and dodgy information out there, and that means there is a lot of science versus ink to do. If you have a burning question about the coronavirus, please email us at scienceversus, that's scienceVS, at gimletmedia.com. We'd love to hear from you. Meanwhile, cases in the US have been going up and up. In New York State, we have 10 times more confirmed cases than we had about a week ago. Now there's more than 4,000. And this is inspiring a lot of scary headlines. But knowing these numbers, it's actually a good thing. For now, the confirmed cases are going up so quickly because we're testing more people. And that means we're starting to get a better handle on how many people are actually infected. But other states around the US, they're still basically in the dark about infection rates. So today, we're hearing from a nurse in Atlanta, Georgia, who's grappling with this very situation. She's helped set up a testing site for a major hospital over there, but is still experiencing problems. Her name is Dr. Antoinette Ward, and she has a doctorate in nursing. She was interviewed by a friend of the show, Rose Reed, who first published this on her podcast, which is called The Women. It's from iHeartRadio. Okay, Rose takes it from here. When did it become clear to you? oh, this is, this is going to be an issue here in my city and in my hospital. I think for me, it, that turning point is when I saw a lot of European com- countries, several decided to close their borders and actually do have some colleagues. And I've spoken to them. And one person in particular I spoke with, and he's now um, an emergency room physician. And, and he's based in Italy? He is based in Italy. He told me, he said, you guys just do not understand how big this is. Was that a phone call or an email exchange with your colleague? It, it actually started out, I, I believe, with a Facebook post. 
that I saw that they posted. And I remember saying, oh, okay, I haven't talked to him in a while. And we sort of went back and forth a little bit on Facebook. And um, I asked him, I said, is it okay that we talk for a moment? And he said, okay, sure. So we just talked very briefly. And he, he really told me, he said, you guys just don't understand what you're in for. This, this was probably a week ago, and he was very overwhelmed. So for me, I think I became very anxious at that point, saying we have to move and we have to move fast. So the decision was made pretty quickly that we needed to do something, and we had to figure out how to do it quickly. So I would say within the past week, we decided we have to have some area outside of the emergency department just to try to see patients who are suspicious for COVID. So we did open an ambulatory COVID testing center. We set the center up literally within 48 hours. It's an entire clinic that we set up in 48 hours between providers, the doctors, nurse practitioners, and a a care team really just sort of got rolling. We um, started testing patients and the numbers are just growing daily. It's just, more and more people are coming in. So there's so many people that need to be tested. There's so many people that are sick. The numbers are increasing daily as we speak. So the number is rising and we have not as an area started active testing to even know that and to get a grip on it. So we're, we're very behind the eight ball around here as far as testing these patients. The people that are walking in, are they people who are nervous because they have cold symptoms or are they people who are exhibiting the symptoms of fever, cough, respiratory issues? We have a combination of all of the above. We have a lot of people who maybe have some upper respiratory symptoms that they may even have typically this time of the year and they're nervous. Then we have patients who are coming in who are genuinely sick and who've had genuinely um, real exposure Um, We have a lot of patients that we've had to put on ventilators. So we have the entire gamut. And that's the hard part for us is sort of the triaging of what's going on with this patient who needs immediate care for the symptoms they're having versus someone who's nervous about a friend of a friend with the party they may have attended two weeks ago. I'm wondering if you could describe what the testing center looks like. Um, Is it set up in a parking lot? Is it a tent? No, it's actually. two miles down the street from the emergency department. We took a building that was not being used as often. And it's an older clinic. It has 16 rooms, um, a desk, a check-in area. So it, it looks like you're the clinic that you would go to to visit your primary care doctor or any other physician. Security at the door and you're handed a mask upon approaching. And Have you been able to get tests easily and get the testing results easily? No, we have not. (laughs) It's not been very easy um, at all. Um, We're we're very concerned about running out. We're in touch with the state very regularly. We're in touch with LabCorp, with Quest. We're, you know, doing everything we can to, to get tests from different places wherever we've pulled all the tests that we have. So no, it's it's not easy. It's an ongoing conversation and that's our biggest fear is what happens when we run out and waiting for more. And results right now vary depending on where, who's doing the test. Our local state level is, they do the test in batches daily. They can only test so many people a day. So it's, 
getting test results is, is not easy at all. Um, when the test is run, we have to check with the state and ask them, you know, have you ran this test we sent you yet? They'll tell us yes or no. They'll tell us when the date is. So no matter how efficient we are, we're still at someone else's mercy. We're working on developing an in-house testing, and hopefully we'll have that up and running. We've been told within a week or so that will help us quite a bit. And is it just a swab? What does the test look like? The test is actually it's very similar to a flu test. The one that we're doing, it's a nasal swab. It's, very, it's a little bit uncomfortable, and we use this alone um, for better of like of describing it. It's like a long medical Q-tip, and um, we go up and get a nice sample, twirl it around a little bit, um, wait a couple of seconds, and we pull out, and then we do an oral swab also go all the way back in the throat so we make you gag a little bit. Ooh. Yes, it's, it's somewhat uncomfortable. I've made a few people cry in an effort to make sure we're getting a really good sample. <laughs> it, it's okay. Wow. No, no one complains. They know it's with love. <laughs> they do. What does a sick patient look like? Well, generally for them, it is I'm having my yearly allergies, um, nothing knows, maybe a headache, but then they'll say, you know, in addition to that, I'm having some shortness of breath and I just don't feel well or I'm tired. And this is not generally how it is for me when I have allergies. And sometimes they may report a very small fever, maybe 100 and no fever at all. It's just they don't feel as well as they normally do with these same symptoms. The person with asthma may say, I've used my inhaler for the past week. I'm still extremely short of breath. Um, I have this cough that I usually don't have. It's more um, so that I can't control it as I normally do. It's generally people who have comorbidities or illnesses already going on, but they say, you know, this time it's just not getting better or this time it's worse than what it normally is. So we go ahead and we test those patients, and a lot of them have been positive. The scary part for us is when they retrace their steps, they don't have known contact with anyone else that's positive. So many of them have no idea who they may have gotten the coronavirus from. The facility that you have set up at your hospital, the special area for those who are critically ill from coronavirus and COVID-19, what do they look like? Those people are they're they're sick. Some of them are on ventilators. Many of them are running high fevers. They have shortness of breath. Um, that's a special isolation area. We actually used the same area for Ebola patients before. I know that in Italy right now that family members aren't allowed to visit because of the just sheer volume of patients, but also because they don't have enough protective gear for I'm visitors. Sure we will get to that point shortly. What makes you say that? Well, you know, we're trying to hold on to our protective gear also. There is a limited amount. We don't know, you know, when we'll get more gear. We're running through it quite a bit. So at the same time, we have to be very cautious that we have what we need to take care of our patients. After the break, we hear about all the crazy steps that Antoinette has to take to keep herself safe when on the front lines of this pandemic. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsor job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash science. Just go to Indeed.com slash science right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. As cases of COVID-19 are spreading around the United States, healthcare workers are trying to keep up. Today, we're hearing from Dr. Antoinette Ward, who's been setting up testing at a major hospital in Atlanta. Antoinette is being interviewed by Rose Reed. How are you keeping yourself safe? How have your protocols changed in the last week? Oh my gosh. So we've changed quite a bit, especially when I'm working in the COVID clinic. <laughs> the way that it works there is we wear two masks. We wear N95 masks. We wear face shield over that. And then we're wearing a gown, two sets of gloves, hair bonnet, and um, covers our feet. And so what the N95 mask is not to be taken on and off. So we take our gowns off and re-robe for every room. So it's called doffing and downing. So we take everything off and put it back on for every patient. So because you imagine doing this about 30 times a day. In the meantime, everything you do, every step, you have to wash your hands. So we're washing, washing, washing our hands 24-7. I walk in the room with gloves on. I introduce myself to the patient. I do not shake their hands. I have some paperwork in my hand. I put it down. I take that glove off. I wash my hands. I put gloves on again, do a nasal swab and an oil swab on them, select that swab, take the gloves off, wash my hands. So every step of the way of everything you do, you're washing your hands and you're putting back on gloves again. And then you take off the gown once the patient has left the room. There's a lot of costume changes and, uh, a in lot this of new situation. Changes. Yes. But the N95 mask, we do not take off. We, there's a shortage of that. So we literally keep that mask on. And you only take that off lunchtime when we eat, 
So take yesterday, for example, I started, I saw my first patient at 8 a.m. I think I ate lunch at 1, so mask on from 8 to 1. I take the mask off, go to the bathroom, drink water, eat pretty quickly, finish charting on patients, start over again, put a new mask on at 1.30, and I saw patients until 7.30 last night, I believe, and that's that's our routine all day. So I'm working with a team of, but it was only the three of us yesterday. Everybody chips in. We work really, really hard. We're asking everyone to work extra shifts already. We're asking them to work longer shifts. We're asking them to be away from their families. All of the school systems in Metro Atlanta are currently closed. So we're switching shift times around to help our colleagues with small children. We're sharing babysitters. We're offering, I have an 18-year-old. We're offering them up as babysitters, the ones who are experienced (laughs) babysitters. Um, We're doing everything we can to support each other. And how long do you anticipate this level of patient intake and volume to go on? How long is your team preparing for? We're actually in it for the long haul. We have um, daily huddle meetings, and I actually have one today where we Skype or Zoom each other and we we talk about this. Currently, we're planning for the next um, six months. Being, six months? Know, we're Yeah, we're planning for six months. We have to. We're, we're here. Yeah, we plan for the next six months. When we hope things will get better in those six months, but we have to think about the long haul of taking care of our patients, our staff, the aftermath of this. So we're planning to, you know, definitely take care of patients that long and to take care of each other that long. We don't know what's going to happen after that, but that's, that's the language that we're using. This is affecting everybody, but especially for those who are healthcare professionals, they're literally putting their bodies on the front line. How are you grappling with that? I'm going to be honest with you. It's a struggle. It It is definitely a struggle of how do you stay happy? How do you keep your peace when there's a lot going on? There's a lot of people who are very anxious. And to be realistic, there are people that are dying and some that will die. This has not um, begun to hit its peak yet. So it, it, it's very much a struggle for me right now, if I can be honest with you. I do have an 18-year-old who's a senior in high school who most of her events have at this point have been canceled. We don't even know about senior prom. My heart goes out to her. Does she already have a dress? She's already got a special dress we ordered and paid a lot of money for it. (laughs) She's made a lot of plans, though. We don't don't know how that looks. You know, this is her senior year. A lot should happen for her right now that may not even take place this year. Is there one thing that you think listeners should really know about and take to heart when it comes to preparing for the next few months and, you know, taking social distancing seriously and and making other choices for themselves and for their communities? For me, I think a big take-home message would be we have to take care of each other. We have to take care of our neighbors. We have to take care of each other's kids, of our elderly. We have to call people that we haven't called lately. We have to check on each other. That's going to be going to make the difference for all of us. We absolutely have to take care of each other. For me, it's one thing to be a healthcare provider. I love what I do. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But I'm also a mother, a daughter, a sister, 
a partner, a neighbor. So every aspect of my life, I'm thinking, who do I need to call? Who haven't I seen recently? Do I need to make sure they're okay? And of course, we have to practice social distancing, but it does not mean that we cannot reach out to each other. This interview is from Rose Reed, and it's from her podcast, The Women by iHeartRadio. Rose will be interviewing more women from the front lines, and to find her podcast, search for The Women Heart. We'll add a link to our show notes. Next Monday, we'll be back digging into the science of this pandemic. This episode was mixed by Adrian Lilly and Peter Leonard. Special thanks to Sonia Green, Gail Reed, and Jen Shippen. Fact checking by Lexi Krupp. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. I'm social distancing, and I'll fact you next week. <laughs> 